comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. Many people shrug off the idea of shoulder replacement even when they're having trouble lifting their arms as high as they used to. The shoulder is a large ball and socket joint that has a wider range of motion than any other joint in the human body. While the need to replace the shoulder is significantly less than with hips and knees, nearly 60,000 Americans a year will need to get one. Today, we'll learn more about what's possible from shoulder and elbow specialist, Dr. Melissa Wright, who practices at MedStar Union Memorial Hospital and MedStar Franklin Square Medical Center in Baltimore. I'm your host, Mike Shu. Welcome to Doc Talk. Dr. Wright, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me here today. You're more than welcome. Right off the bat, what we usually, or what usually, I should say, is the first indication that a person may need to see someone like yourself. So that's different for different people, but um, I generally tell people that if you can't do the things that you want to do because of your shoulder, you need to come see a specialist. And so if it's too stiff, if you can't reach overhead, if it just hurts and you can't play golf or tennis anymore, come see us. Where does sleep fall into it? Because I know that some people, if they sleep on their shoulders or on their back and things like that, is that also a clear indicator if you if it's enough to wake you up? For sure. So I should have said that one too, because I think one of the biggest things that actually brings someone into the office is when their shoulder pain starts interfering with their sleep. And it's incredibly common with shoulder pain for it to disrupt your sleep. Rotator cuff pain especially um, is notorious for waking people up at night, but shoulder arthritis pain and a lot of other conditions around the shoulder can disrupt sleep as well. Well, especially if someone is maybe a little bit less active, so they may not have done all the other things or some of the things that you described earlier, but everybody's got to sleep. Everybody's got to sleep. And when you're sleep is disrupted, you're miserable, and uh, it's definitely time to get it looked at. Though everybody, you know, most cars these days are automatic transmission, I would imagine be, that'd be something else if you're having a little trouble. Yeah, some people definitely notice, even just the, the positioning of their hand on the wheel, that can be a big trigger for rotator cuff pain, um, having to just kind of hold your arm up that whole time driving. Right. When should people get evaluated for a shoulder replacement versus non-surgical options? So, you know, we always start with non-surgical options. Uh, if we can manage your symptoms and keep you active, doing the things you want to do, keep you sleeping at night with non-surgical treatments, whether that's therapy, medications, injections, then that's always what we try first. Um, it's time for shoulder replacement when that stuff isn't working, when your quality of life is impacted by your pain, your loss of function, and nothing else is helping, um, then it's time for the replacement. Yeah, and everybody has a different tolerance for pain. Exactly. I'm sure some people, you know, come early and others probably come, come late, but yeah. it, it's individual for everybody. It's totally individual. We treat patients. We don't treat x-rays. And so, you know, how severe it is on x-ray matters in terms of your treatment options, but you know, your symptoms and the impact of your symptoms on your quality of life are really what drives our treatment plan. So how do people get to you? I mean, is it, is it genetic? Do they have an accident? Is it just wear usage, all the above? All of the above, for sure. So, um, you know, shoulder arthritis does have a genetic component. Um, a lot of people who have done a lot of heavy labor in their lifetime might be more prone to getting shoulder arthritis just because of that heavy overhead work. Um, Conditions like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis can affect the shoulder, leading to degenerative changes. Um, and then rotator cuff disease is just incredibly prevalent. And if your rotator cuff goes, eventually you can develop arthritis in your shoulder as well. I know that I'm 
terribly mad at my older brother because he has an incredibly powerful arm. And when I'd go visit him down at the beach, he would throw these Nerf ball things at me. And invariably, I'd back up three or four steps every time. And so I'm just chucking it <laughs> as hard as I can back to him. And, and my shoulder's not the same. It hasn't been for years. I mean, so that's yeah. some, just something simple as throwing a dumb ball <laughs> with your relative could be be a reason why they get in front of you. Certainly. So, you know, those repetitive activities when you're really stressing your shoulder, you know, over time that can lead to wear and tear and that can lead you to my office. I have some friends who are mountain bikers uh-huh. and, you know, if you mountain bike long enough, you're, you're going to eat the earth. Definitely. Um, things like that, that, that sort of sudden jerky movement where it's pushed back up into the socket. That's something which also. So, yeah. So trauma like that or more significant trauma too, you know, if you've ever broken, you know, the bones are on your shoulder um, that can set you up for post-traumatic arthritis down the road. But um, sometimes it's not a break that you might've seen on x-ray or, you know, had treated, but a small, there could have been a small crack or damage to the cartilage that kind of sets you up for arthritis down the road. So that leads me to what is the biggest reason that the shoulder joint would need to be replaced? And so the main indication for shoulder replacement is when somebody has end stage arthritis of that joint. And so that, you know, often is called bone on bone arthritis. It's when you've lost your cartilage, the smooth surface that allows your joint to glide. And now you've just got bone rubbing against bone. You've lost your motion. You have a lot of pain. That's the the main reason for shoulder replacement. And so it's sort of pain driven in a sense, more than like how many degrees I can move up or. It's both. um, But pain is definitely the, the main reason to replace the joint, the best indication for it is a pain relieving procedure. Typically we're able to improve your motion considerably as well, because that tends to decline, um, with the arthritic changes and then your rotator cuff can be involved as well. And if the rotator cuff isn't functioning, people tend to lose motion very quickly. Then how do you decide what someone, whether, okay, yeah, I think it's time right away. You just know this person needs a shoulder. And then when do you have people maybe look for some sort of injections or steroid shots or some sort of physical therapy? How do you, how do you make that distinction? Yeah, that can be tough. And as you said before, a lot of it is, you know, it depends on the person and you know what they're trying to do, what their goals are, but you know, how significant the damage is on x-ray and other imaging studies does play a role. Uh, because you can start to wear out the bones, and that makes a difference in our surgical planning. Um, and then things like how much motion and strength people have. Um, people who have pretty good motion still and good strength, a lot of times they can actually do pretty well with conservative treatment. Um, but if they're just really stiff, really painful, weak, um, that's that's when you need to really think about surgery. Does it happen more often to someone's you know strong arm, the one that they you know used to swing a hammer, always carry the groceries in, or you know? Things like that. We do tend to see it a little bit more in people's dominant arms, um, just because that tends to be, like you said, you've had your repetitive throwing injuries there, or um, you've, you know, been just using that shoulder harder over time. Also, sometimes it's the same x-ray wise on both sides, but if you don't use your non-dominant arm to do much, those symptoms might not bother you. What should patients look for uh, when they're deciding on a shoulder surgeon or a, a shoulder program? So that's a great question. Um, you know, obviously the choice of a doctor is a really personal one for people. Um, you got to go to someone you feel comfortable with. But when you're thinking about something like a shoulder replacement, it's really important to seek out a specialist, um, you know, somebody who is fellowship trained and does shoulder replacement regularly. We know that that's important for outcomes. Um, and then a high volume center is really important. So, you know, our MedStar Health System is one of the busiest shoulder replacement sy- uh, systems in the country. And so, you know, our hospitals, you know, not just the surgeons, 
things, but the staff, the nurses, everyone is really comfortable with taking care of patients who've had their shoulder replaced, and that makes a difference as well. So, but the volume matters. Why? So the volume matters because people are, you know, more proficient, more used to doing those procedures. So, you know, the surgeons, that's what they do all the time. Uh, The nurses, those are the patients they take care of all the time. And so volume, uh, you know, has been shown in the literature to really um, correlate with better outcomes. I know we were talking about rotator cuff injuries and then shoulder replacement. Can you separate the two for me? So um, you can, but they actually are really interrelated. So shoulder replacement, um, there's two main kinds, and one is a is a regular kind of anatomic shoulder replacement, and one is something called a reverse shoulder replacement that you may have heard of. And a standard shoulder replacement, your rotator cuff has to work for us to do that kind of shoulder replacement, whereas a reverse shoulder replacement um, actually takes the place of the rotator cuff. So if your rotator cuff is completely torn and you have arthritis, you can get a reverse shoulder replacement to improve your pain and function. So is that replacing the sort of the ball and the socket? So both kinds replace the ball and socket. And the reason the reverse is called a reverse because we actually replace the socket with a ball. And on the ball side, we put a socket. Yes. (laughs) Very. But it it works. It works. It's a biomechanics thing. Uh, We harness the muscles around your shoulder in a different way to get that, that pain gone and that function better. I I remember, um, you know, knowing some people who had some knee problems and they used to, you know, colloquially call it, you know, clean it out, do Mm -hmm. arthroscopic. Is that something that is done in the shoulder? I know that fell out of favor with the knees, but is that still uh, effective in shoulder work? It can be. Um, Again, it depends a little bit on the patient. It depends somewhat on exactly what their their pain drivers are and what's going on um, on imaging studies. But we do do debridements of shoulders and can, you know, obviously if it's just more of a rotator cuff problem, we can take care of that arthroscopically. Um, so definitely still has a role in a shoulder replacement. Um, I'll let you pick whether it's going to be reverse or All regular R and R. What, what does recovery look like? Sure. So they're pretty similar. Um, surgery, a lot of them are doing outpatient now, actually. So you come in and go home the same day. You're in a sling either way for somewhere between three to six weeks. <laughs> That's to allow your tissues to heal. Um, you'll probably be doing some exercises. And so you'll take it off a couple times a day, move your elbow, your wrist, your hand, maybe the shoulder, depending on what's what kind of surgery you had. Um, after that three to six week time point, you get out of the sling. You continue stretching, strengthening from there. Uh, you know, most people are feeling better better and really back to a lot of activities by around three months. And honestly, I have a lot of patients. I saw someone today, in fact, who uh, is 12 days out from her reverse replacement and she has no pain. She's not taking pain medication. She feels better than she did before surgery. So and then when can they, uh, you know, swing a racket or do a golf club or go swimming? So that's more like that kind of four or five month time point. Um, Is that just because it's tight up there or there's pain or, or you don't want to damage it? It's, it's a, you have to get your motion back. And so some of that is tightness after surgery, working with therapy to make sure your range of motion is full to be doing those kinds of activities. And then some of it is our own restrictions because we want to protect the, the surgery that was done and we need to let your tissues heal. You, so you could damage a shoulder if you... Yep. So you're in a sling in the beginning for a reason. Um, and there's, you know, things that are repaired around the shoulder replacement that need to heal. I bring it back to me sometimes. I know I've been, I'm a, I've been told I'm a great patient and an awful patient. The <laughs> awful part is I always want to come on, let's go, let's yeah. go. Can we go faster? So yeah. someone like me, you got to throttle back yes. and threaten with the worst possible scenario yes. going, here's why we don't want you to do that. That 
that's. Yep. It's a conversation I have a lot because like I said, a lot of people actually feel really good pretty quickly, but just because you feel good, it doesn't mean you get to rehab faster. Uh, we still have to wait for the body to do its healing. I know uh, some people are, uh, you know, follow all the rules with PT and physical therapy mm-hmm. and stuff. And others are a little bit more lackadaisical. What are your thoughts on the need to do what we tell you? So, <laughs> Um, the rehab is really important. The surgery is one part of the whole, you know, procedure, but the rehab is really important. Not everyone needs, you know, as much one-on-one time with a physical therapist. Some patients are able to really do a lot of that on their own at home in terms of stretching and strengthening. Um, but whether it's with a, you know, a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or, you know, on your own, the rehab does matter. You can tell the difference sometimes someone who's not for really sure. Done for their sure. PT. Yep. You can tell the difference. And sometimes people end up going later because they, you know, finally realize that, Hey, I think I could get better. And even sometimes later, you know, it can make a difference. So don't underestimate the power of therapy. Therapy. Yeah. It, it, it can be hard work. <laughs> it, it is hard work. It is, but it gets the results. Exactly. I, I know there's always no promises in, in, in most parts of medicine, but you have some expectations. What, what can patients expect after surgery? So, you know, shoulder replacement has you know, proven, you know, very reliable for relieving pain. Um, you know, 90% of patients or more have, you know, almost no pain afterwards or very minimal pain that doesn't interfere with their function. Um, and most patients are able to get back good range of motion and strength. And so we, you know, the goal of the procedure is to get you back doing the things you want to do. I don't um, restrict people uh, in terms of you know, sports like golf, tennis, that kind of thing. Our goal is to get you back to that. I know with some people, um, there's a case where you can, you know, you have to sleep like we were talking about before. Is, does, is that ever affected initially when people are recovering? Because, so in, you know, yeah, in the recovery, people can still have discomfort and trouble kind of getting comfortable at night. Uh, shoulder pain does tend to bother people at night and the sling wear can bother you at night. But the goal is as you continue to heal and recover, that night pain goes away. And it mostly does for people. With the people that you see, the patients, are, are you finding them, the age is about the same or are they, they skewing a little older these days or? Hugely variable. Um, you know, shoulder replacement can be done in patients, you know, sometimes in their 30s and 40s if their shoulder, if that's what they need. Um, and we do them all the way up to people in their 90s. So you In know, their 90s? Yeah. Off the top of my head, I'm like, wow, a 90-year-old person can tolerate that. But I guess it's, you know, it depends on the patient, but there are 90 year olds that are out there that are healthy, that are active and their shoulder pain is limiting their quality of life. And so if that's the next step, then, um, you know, we do it. If if they want to go do the Mm. senior Olympics, they got (laughs) to do what they need to do. Exactly. Um, With a lot of sort of surgeries like this, you know, there can be some fears because if someone's not had surgery or they don't like, you know, they, they start thinking about what's kind of being disassembled and reassembled in their body, there may be some fears. How do you deal with that? How do you, you know, calm people down about, you know, just the idea of what's going to happen? I mean, I think, you know, having some, some fear and anxiety is totally understandable related to surgery. Um, And I think, you know, knowledge is the best way to kind of combat that. And so, you know, I try to spend as much time as needed with each patient to, so they really understand what we're doing. So they understand what to expect. So they understand kind of what their goals in the next several months are going to look like. Um, I think, I think that can really go a long way. So if someone has rotator cuff, you know, sort of chronic rotator cuff injuries or, or discomfort now, does that kind of mean then, then down the road, they're going to have to have a shoulder replacement? 
Not necessarily. Um, it can it can mean that, and people with rotator cuff issues can go on to develop arthritis. Um, but the timeline is very variable, um, and so some people may never really need anything further, um, and some people will. When you when you say arthritis, and I hate to be such a civilian about this, but it, it makes me think of you know someone's hands that just won't close or something sure. like that. But are, when you're talking about arthritis in the shoulder, what are you describing? So it's the same process. You just can't see it in the shoulder the same way. So a, a, the ball and the socket have lost their cartilage, which is the smooth cushion. And you get bone spurs the same way that are real big and knobby around the shoulder. There's just more muscles around the shoulder. So we don't see it um, when we look at a person. With some surgeries, you kind of have to do prehab and kind of, you know, you know like particularly I'm thinking of knee and hip. They mm-hmm. kind of want to get you started on the exercises and stuff like that. Is there anything with shoulder surgery or replacement that you want people to start doing ahead of time? So we do actually have a lot of our shoulder replacement patients um, go to prehab and if they have the ability to, uh, to learn some of the exercises they're going to be doing afterwards, to learn how to wear the sling and perform their activities of daily living with the sling. And that visit in advance can actually be, you know, really helpful for patients uh, because there's a lot going on on the day of surgery, the day after surgery. Um, and so having a better understanding and foundation going into it uh, makes a big difference. Any new technologies happening now or over the horizon? Uh, lots going on in shoulder replacement. Um, there's you know a lot of different new implants being developed with stemless implants. Um, there is a big movement towards using more um, patient-specific instrumentation. So we do a lot more preoperative planning in terms of kind of almost virtually doing the surgery in advance and creating guides and implants that, that match the patient specifically. Um, so lots, lots always being developed. Shoulder surgery has a fairly high success rate. Yes. Um, shoulder replacement patients are definitely my happiest patients. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I, I enjoy, you know, seeing them back. Um, uh, but like I said, you know, it's over 90% of people are, are you know, pain-free, functional and, and doing what they want to do. So it's Your happiest it's patients. That's great. <laughs> I love, I love that. But that has to be very rewarding then. It is. It's great to see, um, especially because it can be so debilitating coming into it. We've been talking with shoulder and elbow surgeon, Dr. Melissa Wright from MedStar Health. Dr. Wright, thank you for sharing your expertise here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. Learn more about Dr. Wright at medstarortho.org backslash W-R-I-G-H-T or for an appointment, you can call 410-554-2272.